Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, want to welcome you back. Been a hot minute, no doubt, but we're ready for season three of the Speckled Truth Podcast. And the reason that is the case is because I got my pops sitting right across the room right here, uh, here in San Antonio. And the reason for the delay and kind of what I've told everyone is, you know, since we started this endeavor is he's going to be, as long as he's kicking, he's going to be the first episode of every season. And so here we are. It took a hot minute, man, to get you over here and, and record a podcast, but welcome to the show, bud. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. Absolutely wonderful to be here in San Antonio and see you, be with his grandchildren. Your lovely wife, Jessica, has been more than hospital enough to us. We've had a great time. She put me to work, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> it's good to have you here, man, because mainly uh, you're doing a lot of work, man, around the house, and, and I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. What are parents for, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Installing light fixtures right. and uh, cutting down and, and trimming some trees in the back and stuff like that. But I really appreciate it. So we're getting ready to close in a house here in San Antonio. And so admittedly, that's why I haven't really been fishing a whole lot this year uh, after the kind of winter waiting season is because I've been so busy, one, with work and then outside of that uh, with, you know, buying the house and kind of getting ourselves situated going forward. But we are here, finally, season three. We've already recorded a few episodes. I just haven't been able to, you know, release them until really me and you have finally had a chance to sit down and actually record this podcast. So, Pops, man, how you been? It's been a hell of a year, you know, and for folks who don't know, it's it's been a hell of a year for you guys with Hurricane Ida and, and, and stuff like that. So, kind of give us a little bit of a rundown. Well, it's been challenging. Um, you know, we had a great summer. Um uh, my wife and I have been extremely busy. Uh, I had to put a damp on everything. We we got hit pretty hard. Uh, if for those of you who don't know, we we live in the River Parish, in a little town called Luling, and we took a direct hit actually. So um, most of the folks never seen. I've never seen winds sustained for such a long period of time, and uh, so we we we're recovering. We're still recovering from that. It's, uh, it's been quite a challenge, but you know, from the, the generosity and the goodness of people really come out in times of need. And, you know, those folks, and I'm sure there's some listening tonight, I can never, ever express my gratitude for the, for the deep generosity that you've extended to us, our family, uh, our community more so than anything. And, uh, we've been, we've been hit. We're, we're coming back. We're resilient. We'll be back. Yeah. And so we had uh, Speckle Truth followers uh, donating a lot of stuff, right? Connor Snoga, he made the trip with us. Uh, Mike Bryant from Hattiesburg. Um, Kyle Johnson, Ed Crum. Um, gosh, I know I'm probably going to leave somebody out, you know. Uh, but in the short of it is days, I think it was like two days after. I mean, I know I was still fighting high waters and whether or not I could actually get to you guys to deliver gas and generators and 
cut down trees. I mean, you had a big tree down in the backyard and stuff like that. And I know this is a fishing podcast, but we'll kind of dovetail into, you know, kind of why you maybe haven't been on the water is because right. man alive, it, it really was kind of devastating. So really those river parishes, Homa, LaRose, you know, Booty, obviously where you live and Luling and stuff, but um, those areas and, and cut off in those fisheries that you fish a lot really took a direct hit. And, and I know it didn't really affect the east side, it sounds like, like Delacroix and, and, and places like that, but it sounds like you really got hit pretty hard. We got hit it pretty ha- – we got hammered pretty good. Um, you know, it's the same way. The damage to the estuary is is just phenomenal. I mean, you've been fishing with me. You know the areas that I fish. I've been fishing the same area. I fished the Barataria Basin. It's no, it's no secret. Everybody knows. They know my boat. They know I'm out there. And I fish – I'm – on the water when things right through two or three, four times a week. Barataria Bay. Barataria Bay took took a real smash. And yeah. so my winter estuary spots just really, even if I could have went, you know, yeah. with the damage that we had in our community, that's where I would need it to be. So I really didn't get the fit. But I have been out. I have been out. I'm checking areas out. And and the damage to the, to the estuary has been phenomenal. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. No, I... So I know you've been, you know, I don't want to give up obviously too much away from your spots, but, you know, definitely, you know, kind of getting into a fishing, you know, aspect of it. And so I know a lot from the, from the environment, uh, and, and really from the areas that you fish, I mean, a lot of land loss, it's really interesting cause there's a lot of silt. Um, and so you get a, a huge wind event or a huge sor- storm surge event like that. It really does push a lot of sediment into areas. And so where you would have navigable waterways are no longer there. Right. And so absolutely, it really just changes the dynamic of a fishery. And I remember telling you, you know, and I know you had obviously other things to tend to, but if you're going to get back into fishing, cause I know for a while there, you're pretty, pretty depressed, man. I, I mean, was very depressed. It was, yeah. it was tough. I was on the water. I saw firsthand the damage uh, a couple of weeks after the storm. I wanted to see firsthand the damage. And it was very depressing, honestly. Uh, we had a, you know, pretty big fish kill. People don't realize that. But would, and, you know, the freshwater estuary took the hit. Mm-hmm. And, and I've always told you, we've always talked about it, that we need that freshwater estuary because of our saltwater coast. Yeah. You know, we need that for reproduction. You know, uh, it's a nursery ground. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it's a nursery ground. It's exactly. And the nursery ground took such a tremendous hit. That, uh, you know, it's going to take a while to recover, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I, that's my personal feeling on it, you know? Yeah. Now, you've been out, though, um, and that's kind of what I was getting to. Is, so, you have been out. Yes, uh, I have. Able to pick on, a few, pick on a few fish lately. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. So, I, if you can, kind of, and it was interesting, right? Because it was one of the ways, I think, that we really, we really enjoy fishing. And it's one of the things that I learned the most, I think, about you know, on the back of your boat growing up fishing with you was the ability to throw light jigs in tide. And I know it doesn't necessarily apply to every fishery, but I think the components to throwing a light jig and in, in some heavy tide and kind of letting that bait kind of flutter, suspend, if you will, um, that's really, I think, something I've truly picked up from you. And so if you can kind of describe you know, your approach to that, kind of what you're throwing and, and, and how you're able to kind of decide whether or not that's going to be effective. 
Well, you know, if everybody knows me, I'm a jig fisherman. I mean, I've, I've yeah. basically pick up a jig. First thing I'll do is pick up a jig. <laughs> That's I all mean, you throw. You got like five boxes in your boat, and they're all <laughs> jigs. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's a, I got, uh, I got I know, you're, crank baits. You're diversifying, uh, you know? I know. <laughs> but no, I'm a basically a, a jig fisherman, and and, and um, I wash the ties. I wash the ties like like mm-hmm. uh, like a hawk. I mean, I'm constantly monitoring the wind and the tide. And um, actually, the areas that that I've fished, I've, I've been back out and uh, actually had pretty good success. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, a couple trips. That I made, and um, yes, it's true. I fish with uh, lighten up my jigs, just let it float in the current. Uh, surprisingly enough, the water started to clear up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, since the storm. And I, you know, so. Um, what, what are you throwing? Like, so you're talking light jigs. You, I know you typically throw. I like to throw three three sixteenths to one eighth ounce jigs. I mean that that's yeah. the range I like to throw when the tide's heavy and just let it float in the current. Yeah. You know? But if you had like a traditional tide, let's say foot and a half, right? Foot and a half tide, yeah, I might throw, throw a fifth, a five sixteenths ounce jig head. Yeah, yeah. Or a quarter yeah. or something like that. Quarter right? to five sixteenths, yeah. 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 So but sometimes you get those lighter tides less than a foot. Yeah. Five point five, you know, maybe seven ten, something like that. That's the tide I like to fish. I like to fish no tide. People laugh at me. They say, well, you're going fishing. There's no tide. They're not going to catch anything. Great. Y'all stay home. I'm going fishing. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's when we see, you know. I mean, some of those bigger fish, uh, at least in our experience, you know, fishing out there is you're not going to kill them, right? You're not going to catch them hand over fist. They're going to make you work for them. But, but that's the enjoyment of fishing. Yeah. That's, I mean, let's face it. That's what we truly enjoy. That's what we go for. It. Just the feel. If you're fishing trout, the initial tap, that's it. After that, it's it's <laughs> over. For me, it's over. I like to feel the tap, set the hook, feel the, feel the head shake, and that's it. Yeah. I, I'm ready for him to turn it loose. Let me throw again and do the same thing all over again. You know? But, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I made a couple trips and uh, just to test the waters and to see... See, see how many fish actually, you know, repopulated the area that I fished, and I had some pretty good success. I tagged, I, I got back, you know, on the, the tag. I like to tag the fish. I think how many fish you need, you know. Yeah. So I, I got that big live well, and I throw them at live well. I tag them and record them and then send them into the wildlife and fisheries, you know, tag Louisiana. But that's what I truly enjoy. That's to me, that's that's exciting. Yeah, you know. How many do you think you tagged probably since? Well, I've only been, I've only been out. Yeah. Actually, I've only been saltwater fishing twice no since, since the first year. I've been out twice. I tagged 80 fish. Mm-hmm. So I've been out twice. It was fairly good trips. Uh, fish on average were really good size, you know. Yeah. So uh, for Louisiana, I mean, you know, for me, jig fishing, you know, 16, 18-inch fish, good fish to tag. Perfect yeah. fish to tag. Yeah. That's cool. Um so for folks, you know, let's say fishing lighter tide uh, fisheries, no tide fisheries, you know, the I think the application there, and I've kind of used it to some extent, uh, especially kind of throwing really, really power finesse stuff like Ned Rigs. Right. Uh, really lately, and I haven't really showed you this, but it's uh, actually this bait right here. Uh, let me grab it real quick. So it's an X-Zone Hot Shot Minnow. Uh-huh. And it's a real small, uh, it's actually a drop shot bait. And I've been taking it and I've been putting it on 
a uh, Texas Eye finesse jig head, uh, eighth ounce or a tenth. And I tell you, the profile of this little thing is super small, but the intent is is that having that kind of smaller profile, lighter jig head, it's kind of the same concept where I'm maybe fishing with a little bit of wind and I know I'm working a, a set of structure or, you know, just isolated potholes or things of that nature. And so I'm casting it with the wind, letting the wind, because it's a light bait, uh, just, you know, pushing it out there um, past, you know, whatever I'm fishing and then working that bait super slow. And so pop, pop, and then slowly lifting your rod and then that you can then kind of visualize that bait underneath the water just kind of gliding up and then once you kind of reel in your slack and lower that rod tip that's when that that bait's falling right um or when you get to the very crescendo of like lifting your bait that's when that bait will really start to fall and that's when you'll feel and pump it right right and that's what i learned really from fishing with you geez man like 20 years ago was the concept of just up current of something maybe slightly perpendicular, uh, letting that bait kind of drift into the strike zone, right? Right. Like keeping that, that rod tip high and then kind of, tw- you know, twitch it, boop, boop, and then letting that bait fall, pump, and then that's when they pump it. So much so where you got to reel in the slack to really get on them, you know? And uh, so it was cool and, and refreshing to hear that you've been out and doing that and, and using that technique from 20 years ago. That I've kind of learned and, and how I've, you know, applied it and maybe others uh, do it the same, you know? Right. Well, you know, I made a, I made a couple of trips and I've, no, no surprise. I made a couple of trips actually to Lake Hermitage. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. And, and oddly enough that, that area took, you know, it's, it's the northern end of Barrettary Bay. Right. And it took a pretty good hit. The, um, we had a lot of floatons. A lot of marsh, mm-hmm. the big clumps of marsh are just floating in the middle of the lake. Yeah. And that's was that was my target of structure. Okay. And that's what I did. I used a smaller profile, a very light jig head, and I would fish it right alongside those floatons. Dump, dump, dump. Yeah. And and just keeping that bait right there in the strike zone, letting it sit and they would they would they would nail it. Yeah. You know? And that and that's the thing. I mean when they thump it, man, it boom. Yep. Uh, and that's a little bit different uh, with, you know, with this uh, technique that I'm using. And I'll do a YouTube video about it on our grind series. But um, it's not so much a true thump, like boom, like where you feel it. Uh, but instead, it's almost like pressure, almost like spongy, yep. right? So yep. when, you, when you're yep. done and then you're kind of letting that bait kind of float back to the bottom, if you will, and you're kind of reeling your slack for your next twitch cadence... Um, all of a sudden you'll just feel almost like pressure, That's right. you know, like spongy. And then all of a sudden I, I just, you know, Chash Champagne said hook sets are free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I cash them all in. But, um, yeah, more often than not, that's kind of the way I equate it to that. And when I was, you know, when I throw a lot of Ned rigs, I call it, the, right, I think those fish right. sit in a bait. Right. Um, right. Anyway. So, um, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm glad you've been able to get out. You were super I was very depressed. I, yeah. It was very depressing. You know, I live in Luling. Lake Salvador is is at my doorstep. I mean, it's five minutes from the lake. I live five minutes off the lake. And it was a big target at one time. It was a Bassmasters Classic. was one right there in Lake yeah. Salvador. And, you know, what's so depressing about it is 
we have no more grass. There's no more that that stabilization of estuary that we need, you know, for revitalization of that marsh. Mm -hmm. um, the salt water came in and killed all that grass. So consequently, the bass, the the bluegills, the sockeye, that fishing this year was way, way, way off. Mm -hmm. I talked to guys that had fished that area. They fished that area professionally for a lot of bass tournaments. They were struggling, hmm. really struggling. It, it, it just, there, there's no fish to be found. I mean, like I said, that the word that I got from most of the locals was that the fish kill was phenomenal. A yeah. lot of dead fish, a lot of dead fish floating all over, all the way up to Lake Zamlin. Have y'all seen that in years past? So, like hurricanes, where well, y'all see a lot you know, of fish the, kills as a the, result the, of that. The wind was so strong that it churned up the bottom, and I think it took the oxygen out of the water. Okay. And I think that's what caused the fish kill. That's my personal, you know, take on it. I think that's what we caused it. We've never had that kind of. We had a, over a hundred mile an hour sustained winds for such a long period of time because the storm sat. It never yeah. moved. It sat. You know. Yeah, I mean, and, you, um, you were telling some harrowing tales. Man. Oh, I mean, because y'all y'all stayed y'all stayed put. We stayed for the storm. We didn't we didn't go anywhere. We stayed put. We went to a friend's house. His chimney came off. Chimney came off, went through the fence, through through his motor home, and we built water for four and a half hours out of his house. He still had a hundred thousand dollars worth of damage inside the house. Hmm. You know, so I mean it and it's it's very common, very typical. We had a tremendous it was yeah. it was a tremendous storm for us. Oh, you I know? mean, I was there, like I said, yeah. two days after yeah. and yeah. Yeah. um it's kinda like the wild wild west, you know, when you get down there, yeah. there's whatever gas you got is whatever gas you got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're not, cans of fix a flat. Well, you know, I was very fortunate. I, my yeah. wife and I were blessed. We thanked the good Lord. We were blessed. Our house was spared. We, we, we had minor roof damage. We had a couple of trees down, a fence down. Other than that, listen, we had no damage. So we were blessed to be able to work and help other people because of our blessings, you know, and yeah. that, that was, it's, a, it's always something good out of something bad. You can yeah. make some. You, you've all, you know, you've always told me. You, you take lemons, make some lemonade. Yeah. Down South Forest has been making lures for the inshore angler for years now, and it's easy to see why. From their four-inch southern shad to their much larger DSL supermodel to the three-inch burner shad, their versatility is really in every angler's arsenal. Uh, better yet, they're actually made here in the USA as well. So support this Texas brand that supports you, the fisherman. Uh, and next time, go check out the hashtag swims in a fall action of a down south floor. Real Sportswear humbly started making shirts for a few local fishermen. Rooted in simplicity and utility, Real's minimalist approach is a reflection of what binds the fishing industry together. Now found throughout many coastal retailers, their lineup of comfortable, and functional gear aims to make your time in the water a success. So next time you're gearing up, wear what guides wear and consider real sportswear. Mira Lure is an iconic brand found in almost every inshore angler's arsenal. From their 17 or 27 MRs to the Mira Mullet or the Top Dog, even their soft plastic lineup, as well as the Paul Brown series Fat Boys, these lures have been trusted by many anglers across the Gulf Coast and beyond. So next time you're out there looking to fire up a bite, remember, tie on a mirror lure and turn on the bite. Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky 
are back again for season three sponsors and we couldn't be more appreciative. These lures and colors, which are produced by some of the most renowned anglers up and down the Texas coast have been producing for decades. So whether it's a double D or a fat boy floater and plum nasty Texas turnip, just to name a few, remember next time you're looking for that next big bite, the big girls aren't colorblind. Despite its unique name, Stinky Pants Fishing has been making wade fishing gear for the Texas angler for years. Located here in Texas, they make anything from boga floats to boxes, stringers to wade fishing straps, really anything that the inshore angler needs to make their time on the water more efficient and more effective. So check them out at stinkypantsfishing.com and get some equipment to make you a better wade fisherman. I want to welcome Waterloo Rods as our Season 3's newest sponsor. Located in Victoria, Texas, Waterloo builds some of the most functional rods for any inshore application. Whether you're in the market for a carbon mag, an HP Lite, or a Slam mag, or their Salinity series, definitely check them out. Also, check out their Waterloo Pro Shop, which carries most, if not everything, that the inshore angler needs here along the Texas coast. So next time you're in the market for a rod, definitely check out Waterloo Rods, and you might as well fish the best. So Betsy, Camille, obviously Katrina, what, like, let's go back past Katrina, right? I mean, how old were you at that point? Katrina? No, no, no. Camille, like Betsy and Camille. Camille, we were just getting married. So I was 20, 20, okay. 20 21. Yeah. Yeah. Did you fish a lot when? Oh yeah. I was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I've always fished. <laughs> you know that yeah. I've always fished. But when we got married, I told my wife straight up, look, you're married a fisherman. All I can tell you. I'm, I'm going to be fishing on weekends. That's me. Well, 55 years later, she's still sitting in the den. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're still talking about fishing. Yeah, no, right. Uh, <laughs> she said you created a monster, which I did. Yeah. Um, but I was, so I want to ask you though. So I mean, like after Camille rolled through or, yeah. or Betsy, yeah. Betsy or Camille? Was it Betsy or Camille? Well, um, it was Betsy first, then Camille. Okay. Yeah. Did you fish a lot after Betsy? And oh, did yeah. you see similarities? Yeah. Um, you know, Betsy, Betsy and Camille both were, were most basic through the mouth of the river, cross, okay. cross the mouth of the river, went into Mississippi for the most so part. So like Empire Buris? Correct. Okay. Correct. Correct. And that's when we saw the first erosion in, in the Buris area, mm-hmm. where, the, where the first land loss really started to happen. We started seeing that, you know, of places that we used to, uh, that we used to go duck hunting or fishing, mm-hmm. By Karen Crow, they no longer exist. I mean, it's just all open water. But then it was all definitive. It's definitive areas, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're blessed to have that river because that river feeds so much area, so much nutri- nutrients into the, yeah. into our estuaries, you know. Was the fishing real good after Betsy and Camille? You, you know, um, yeah, I, I could say it was good. It, it immediately following storm was wonderful. I uh-huh. mean, it was. We had a, went through a period of plethora of of, of unbelievable weeks and days and months that were just tremendous mm-hmm. great fishing after the storm we've always said hey storm comes through fishing's gonna be great this storm came through and baritaria basin the area that i fish i've always fished you really took a hit and that's why i'm asking right i mean yeah. after katrina post katrina yeah I, I keep saying i mean if you want to see like man's impact to a fishery yeah i think katrina is like a great case study because like when Katrina blew through and came through Empire, Port Sulphur, Buris, and really knocked 
kind of the pogey boat, commercial fishing, shrimpers. Like, I mean, nobody had houses, let alone could operate a business. And not only that, but like their boats were on a river levee. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It was, right, it was right. truly tragic, right? Right. Um, but that fall, um, the fish was phenomenal. It was. I mean, it was... It was legendary. I but mean, you, to some extent. But you got to remember that at back then we had such. If you look at a coastal map from twenty, thirty years ago, and I'm looking at it on your wall, which, which I had gotten you a long, long time ago, you know, you had substantial area. Yeah. Substantial marsh. You know, we didn't have the deterioration that we have now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's. Yeah, that's interesting. That. Yeah. We, you're seeing that kind of correlation maybe with land loss uh, right. and in a storm rolling through and then just fishing right. maybe not being as good. When you were when you were in high school, when you were in actually grammar school, I can remember picking you up, waiting for the bus to come in front of the house. You and I would hop, you'd get off the school bus, I'd have a change of clothes in the truck, you'd change your clothes, and we'd go fishing in the afternoon. Yeah. We'd run a Myrtle Grove and fish in the afternoon. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And would you go down there and catch... A couple redfish, a couple bass, a couple yeah. trout. You know, it was just a great afternoon. Those days are gone. Yeah. I mean, I just don't, well. ca- don't catch the variety. And so that, that alarms me. That scares me because, yeah. because we need that freshwater estuary, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so I've been thinking about this podcast, right? Because it's been a while since the end of season two with Captain David Rousey. Right. Um, what about, a great guy, by the way. I was I yeah. listening to that podcast. Did you? Dave Rousey, you have my utmost respect. I really, I, I enjoy, and I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I told Chris a long time ago, I, I don't listen to your podcast. <laughs> but I was traveling someplace, and I put it on my phone and listened to it, and I was blown away. It was a great, great interview with a great guy that I really, truly admire. Yeah. Dave Rousey is a great guy. He's got his act together. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Uh, yeah, definitely one of the legends, right? In, in, a, in a from a from an age perspective, pretty young guy. Yeah, younger yeah. guy, and and so, oh, but man, uh, it's cool to hear you have you know that respect from listening to that because I think up and down the coast, a lot of anglers you know probably listen to this uh, would maybe share some of that sentiment. You know, he's kind of one of those ones that's kind of held her. A little bit in higher regard. So that's cool, man. And kind of sit in his garage. You know, he's got a big Copenhagen <laughs> in and <laughs> just talking to him about fishing. But man, I've been thinking about it. First off, thank you for listening to, uh, to what <laughs> the podcast, man, pops. Thanks, buddy. Um, but now I've been thinking about like, you know, what to, what to talk to you about, you know? And so I was kind of, thinking a little bit maybe about like word association and kind of what your thoughts were. If I mentioned something, uh, kind of what would come out of your mouth. And so, (laughs) yeah, so, uh, I'm going to throw out some things and, and I'm kind of anxious to hear, uh, what what you think here. So we'll, we'll, we'll take this approach. This could get dangerous. Um, but the first I'm going to throw out there is, uh, is burn down camps. What, What comes to mind? The first thought that came to my mind was I spent, I spent uh, almost seven months building a camp in um, Shell Beach, and it had an area called Janky's Ditch. We mm-hmm. spent seven or eight months building this camp. Got it finished. I took my dad 
fishing, red fishing back then. Yeah. We fished on Lake Bond. It was at the mouth of Lake Bond, up by Biloxi, close to Biloxi. It was called Janky's Ditch. We built a, a camp there. My father just loved to fish. I guess, you know, that's where I got it from and handed it down. Yeah. And he loved to fish. We had a great time. We spent the, the weekend together at the camp. We finally finished the camp, spent a weekend, came back the next weekend. It was burned down. Man. Somebody burned it down. What What did you do? Like, what were your thoughts? Why would somebody do that? Yeah. What, what would possess someone to do something so evil? That was my first thought, mm -hmm. you know? And then I think of burned down uh, camps that are run down, or, you know, uh, but burned down camp, that's the first one, yeah. thought that comes to my mind. Yeah, okay. Um, the next, Chelan Pass. Legend. Legendary. <laughs> what can I say? Legendary. A pass that no longer exists. That uh, look forward to uh, camping out on weekends with my, my two boys. Uh, couldn't wait for Friday to come, Friday evening, put it in, pack everything up in a flat boat, uh, pitched a tent, mm -hmm. fished off the beach, cooked our fish on the beach, sand in your mouth, sand everywhere, but it was a great time to spend with my two boys. I'll never forget. It was legendary. And the fishing was legendary off the chart. Yeah. Off the chart. By yeah. today's standards, it would oh, be yeah, you can't compare it would to be this. legendary yeah legendary absolutely yeah. i mean this is like pre-social media this is pre oh yeah all yeah. that right yeah and then obviously yeah. you had all those um you didn't really have the traffic i mean one or just one a lot of people out there i mean you'd have a you know the gods knew about it but you'd rarely have the well the, the we, weekend we, warrior out there. Yeah, you know and, and, and you know, the thing about it was, back then we had a lot more land, but but the thing was, we wade fished. That's what I really, truly enjoyed, was getting in the water, you know, and wade, getting in the water. I would wait for the temperature to get 70 degrees. I, I don't like the cold. Mm -hmm. But when it gets 70 degrees, we wet fish, we wait, wet, wet, wet wade, wade yeah. and we'd hit that water. When, it, when I knew it was 70 degrees, we'd hit that water, and I couldn't wait to get out there. And, uh, one thing comes to mind, tell us a quick story. Yeah. We were, uh, we they had five or six of This is, you were, you were going away to college. I'm okay. still, this is, this Chelan Pass is, was there for so many years. Yeah. But you were in college and I was out there with some friends and we were fishing one morning. I had an 85 year old man with me, 85 years old. Mutsi mm -hmm. was out there. And we were fishing, and we kept seeing, we went two days in a row. The first day, we saw this plane circle over. I said, well, it must be a pogey boat, you know, circling yeah. the beach, they're checking for pogies. The second day, we saw it, and the next thing we know, the wildlife and fishery agent shows up. We're all standing in the water, 50 yards off the beach, hammering trout. Get out the water. I want to see your license. I said, man, can't you wait? We're coming back to the boat. I don't want to see him now. So, I mean, it was that, I remember that. And he was doing his job. Don't yeah. get me wrong. He was doing his job. And, you know, but I, those kind of things stick out in your mind. You know how you remember th things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, so many legendary stories. But, in there. Oh, on and on. Um, one that comes to mind actually doesn't involve you. Sorry for Shalam Pass. A uh, quick story. I'm going to have him on the podcast at some point, Brandon Treadaway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but me, yeah, that's going to be a fun one, I think. Um, and I know nobody really knows him 
you know, but oh my gosh, too many stories there. But, um, I remember we, uh, we call it like walking to Cuba is me, Garrett, Tony and Brandon. And so I went ahead and that was when they had the bar way out right in the front. Right. Uh And so the water was low enough where we started on the left side. Uh We hit that, that, uh, stretch of breakers. Uh And then I walked to that front set, nothing. And then came back around and then found them right on the beach, like casting right on the beach, Uh standing on that first bar, casting through that first gut. Boom. And they were still behind me. So Brandon's like, man, you walk into frigging Cuba. You know? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. So dude, I start killing them, man. And uh, smoke rub, right? And um, all of a sudden, obviously, all three of them, like zombies, they come around. And anyway, we, we catch a hunter trout, right? And they're all in our float rings. Well, the tide was coming in at this point, right? And Brandon's like, well, shit, I got to get back to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> but the boat, you know, the pass ain't wide. Right. It's about the, the width of a street. Right. And uh, we were pretty far up current of it. He's like, I'm going to get on my float ring and swim to it, like cross the pass. <laughs> and we're like, bro, come pick us up. <laughs> so he's, off he goes, man. Uh, doggy paddling on on 25 trout and a float ring. <laughs> and anyway, he comes to pick us up. Like, dude, how was that? He goes, that was horrifying. Because, uh, you know, sharks out there. Yeah, he's like, right. I'm swimming on a freaking bucket full of chum, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, man, too many good stories out there. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, other one was uh, Oak River. Oak River Troll. Yeah. Oak River Troll. Explain yeah. that, yeah. Well, you know, Oak River, um, and I'm sure it's Oak River still there. It's, it's legendary, yeah. of course. Now people say it's not, it never was as good as it was. We first, first saw Oak River is a Delacro, and it winds from, oh, for miles. But we we discovered one day that they had... The bottom in Oak River was about 12 to 14 feet deep in a couple of areas. It stretched maybe a couple hundred yards. Mm-hmm. And we did we call, we call did what we call the Oak River Troll. We put the troll motor on low, let the tide throw us, and we just sat there like idiots <laughs> trolling sparkle beetles or whatever behind the boat and just catching trout. And we just we'd pick up. And go troll over the same area over and over. We did it for weeks on end. Oak River, yep. yep. Oak River Troll. We used to call it the Oak River Troll. Man, we a lot of limits fell for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dumbest way to fish ever. Dumbest way ever. I mean, really, you never... F- the fish hooked themselves. It was dumb. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny how you learn. Yeah. By the way, you know, you, you really taught me something this, this, this past year. I've, last year, I had the occasion to fish with you a couple times. Not last year as much, the year before last because last year we really didn't have the opportunity. You were busy, and I was busy yeah, too. Yeah. You were full ass. You know, I, when I come to San Antonio and, and we, we travel down to the coast, we fished. You always fish with braid, and I've always been a mono man. And, in fact, Mike McBride used to make fun of me all the time using a rubber band line. So when I caught that first trout, I said, yeah, I left him. Yeah, it's rubber band line. You see what that rubber band But you know what? I'm totally converted. Yeah. I I... I have to admit, the yeah. braid is just, it won me over. Yeah, I think um, that last, so you're using that 13 fishing C Gen 2. Yeah. Uh, you like that reel still? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. excellent. Yeah. That's yeah, I know we, we lined it up, I think, with uh, some 20-pound J-Braid. 
Correct. Uh, and that thing, I mean, at least the time when I when I gifted it to you, when I gave it to you, man, I mean, it sounds like it's still holding true, and that's something that you've been really been uh, kind of dialing into now. Where you know, fishing with Bray used to hate it. Oh yeah. Now it's like okay. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm frugal. You know how frugal I am. I I pulled all the line off and reversed it. Yeah. So <laughs> I. We'll make sure the memory's right in it, you know? Yeah. It's probably like on a E7, I guess. A Corrado <laughs> E7. Yeah. Um, man, great reel, too. Um, all right, last one, and that would be um, Bayou DuPont. Bayou DuPont. Bayou DuPont was, um, you know, that would be legendary. We had a refrigerator at the mouth of Bayou DuPont, and... We would leave, this is no exaggeration, we would leave in the dark. We'd be the first ones at the launch, Myrtle Grove. We'd go out to Wilkinson's Canal, hit airplane, hit uh, Bay, Round. Bay Round, follow the shoreline in the dark, and look for the refrigerator. When we found the refrigerator, we sat, we just threw the ankle over, and we sat in that one spot and fished these grass beds. And we would, we would, be back at the launch. This is, I mean, we did this so many times. Yeah. When the sun was coming up, because we're fishing these grass beds and just lightly picking that one eighth ounce jig off that grass and as trout were buried in that grass, we did that all winter long. You know, but the refrigerator comes to mind at Bayou DuPont. Yep. Yeah. That refrigerator. Remember that refrigerator? I was hoping you'd say the refrigerator, that oh, yeah. white refrigerator. Oh, yeah. And uh, we wouldn't use Q beams or nothing, right? I mean, we would, we'd come at one out of Wilkinson's, <clears throat> easy enough run. Um, you know, I made a trip out there this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I actually made a trip um, in the fall. I think I made a trip in the fall, and I, I, I kind of looked for the same area we fished. The, the shoreline is completely eroded now, mm -hmm. that area. Bayou Dubon is like four times the size it oh, ever yeah. was, emptying in there. But we, you know, managed to catch a few fish. Um, had a, had a good time, enjoyed it. Brought back a lot of memories. Yeah. But the thing is most disturbing, like I said, anything the grass is gone. Oh yeah. You know that 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 estuary has just took such a hit, man. Yeah. You know. It's funny though that. I mean that was probably like ninety five, ninety six, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. something like. That. I'd say actually, I'd take it back. It was all through my senior year, ninety nine. Right. Aged myself, but. Oh my gosh. For so many years, I mean, almost yep. a decade, yep. um, that area, DuPont, north side of Bay Round, that white refrigerator, but still recalling to this day, literally to this day, because um, we fish a lot of grass here. I mean, you right. know, a lot of a lot of potholes, isolated right. potholes, a lot right. of grass. Right. And so I really welcome and embrace that approach, mainly because of the experience I had fishing you know, that 25 years ago, man. Right. Right. And so, uh, I can still feel it, right. That little eighth ounce, you know, kind of longer shank H and H jig head with a little bitty sparkle beetle avocado or, or plum one of the two. Right. Um, and just literally just picking that, that bait off the grass and you'd feel like kind of grass hang on your hook. That's right. You give it a hard pop, pop, pop and then you kind of feel it free itself. You kind of engage your reel again, kind of twitch again. You can feel yourself kind of ticking that grass, and then, you know, they knock it. And it's the same concept here, throwing a jig, even throwing 
uh, some jerk baits, right? Right. And kind of ticking that grass. Tick, tick, tick. I could feel it kind of get hung up on it, on the eyelet, the line tie or something like that. Right. Twitch it. I could feel it. Okay. Kind of let it raise a little bit. Kind of hit it real hard. Pop, pop, pop. And then get that kind of line or that, that grass kind of free itself and then sit that bait again. But I know and recall almost from muscle memory from those times of, you know, yeah. again, the, the Bay Round days. So we'll yeah. buy DuPont. Yeah. But yeah. I want to ask you those, man, and, and see if they kind of, you know, brought back some nostalgia. Oh, you never forget those days. You never right. forget. I've I'm the most blessed guy in the whole world. I've got two great sons. Both of them love to fish. One of them, the one in California, still loves to fish. Yeah. You know, your brother, your brother just sent me a picture. He he's fly fishing, building his own flies, yeah. and walking the Russian River, catching some steelhead, catching some steelhead, and yeah. and on his own made lures. He's just so proud of that. And I'm proud of him for doing that too. He's never lost it. You know, never yeah. lost an act. Yeah. So. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, we got some work for you to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? No, I love that. <laughs> Uh, now we gotta add some shelving into the garage, but um, yeah. it's getting late. Uh, I'm out of whiskey. Uh, you still got some wine, man. Yeah, but I, do. Uh, I really appreciate it, pops. Like I said, man, as long as you're kicking and as long as you're around, uh, you'll be the first podcast of every season. Um, one because out of respect for you, um, but like I told you in season one, episode one, is you know when this thing started, when Speckled Truth started. Hell, when I even. Whether or not this thing implodes and completely goes south, you'll still be my pops, right? And still, uh, and still love me, and we'll still fish together. So, absolutely, um, that's the that's the uh, respect that I have for you. And so, uh, I'm not going to deviate from that. And so, I'm sorry, everyone, for you having to wait for season three to to release. But as you can see, pops has been a pretty busy person and uh, getting kind of you know my my mom and him's uh, area together super busy with the church um going on a on a pilgrimage actually in what a week two weeks or something yes, like we're that. on a week yep. yeah so but all these things and and so i know you've been a busy man and uh so i appreciate you one taking some time out to come see us here in santone and finally getting a chance to record this podcast so we can release season three and um again man always being my dad and and teaching me to love fishing brother it was an honor and a pleasure to be your dad it really is you make me proud i'm very proud of that that's cool bobs thanks buddy i really do buddy love love you you. i tell you that all the time i love you well uh everyone else hey thanks for sticking around and listening uh finally underway season three uh got some new sponsors this year uh with waterloo rods and stinky pants fishing uh, but also we're able to kind of carry on some of our legacy sponsors like down south lures mirror lure texas custom lures custom corky um, real sportswear. Oh my goodness, man. I mean, we've been super fortunate to continue our sponsorships and, and really appreciate their uh, support for all that what we do here at Speckled Truth and certainly for the podcast. So um, as always, everyone, hey, uh, thanks for listening to this uh, podcast. And, and as always, uh, always remember, take what you need, release the rest, tight lines, and God bless. God bless.